This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. We are excited today to introduce you to Sandy Gooch, the pioneering creator of the natural foods market and the visionary for the natural products in industry, who set the bar for the health, health industry throughout the U.S. and the world. She opened her original store, Mrs. Gooch's, in 1976 with business partner Dan Voland, and then went on to open seven more stores, which grew in annual sales to $90 million. And later, she sold the company to Whole Foods for $63 million. And I'm Mary Elkins. Sandy Gooch's story isn't only about her success in business. It's also about paying it forward and public service and mentoring, and her passion for health. She spearheaded the Healthy Schools Meals Program in Los Angeles Public Schools, helped to pass the U.S. Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, and served with presidents and prime ministers on the Women's Leadership Board at Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government. I could go on about Sandy's accomplishments and contributions, but we'd like to hear more from her. Welcome, Sandy. We're glad to have you on Late Boomers. Thank you, and it's my pleasure. We're really happy to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to your career in health and to the path you're on today. Well, I was a master teacher, um, teaching uh, student teachers from UCLA, USC, and Pepperdine University about how to be a good quality teacher. It was such a pleasure. And I did that for 17 years. Mm. Along the way, I developed a infection and I was prescribed tetracycline to heal it. It didn't do that to me. Instead, I had pains radiating down my chest and arms sent to Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla. What can be done? A team of doctors looked at me and said, well, we've never seen tetracycline do that. Must be in your head. Mm -hmm. I was sent home. My father was a research biologist and chemist. He deducted that there were sets of enzymes in my system that were being knocked over like a set of dominoes, and that that was what was making me so ill. Mm. What to do? What? How do I get better? My father said, there's no magic pill. What you need to do is to heal yourself, and you can start by eating healthy food. Mm. That was a challenge. 
Where do you find it? Where do you go? There were tiny little health food stores in the early 1970s. So, and one health food store over here would have a specialty of something, but not everything else. I wound up going from Santa Barbara to San Diego and farmers in between to get the food that would heal me and nourish me. Wow. I started feeling better. I started giving lectures about healthy food. And one day a woman said to me, well, you're talking about all this food, but you're going from Santa Barbara to San Diego. I can't do that. What do I do? Why don't you open up a market that has everything that you're talking about? And I thought, why not? (laughs) That's what I did. Yes. Most people wouldn't do that. They'd say, oh, what a great idea, but they wouldn't actually do that. You must have been so passionate about it that you actually put a, a business plan together to do that. Well, you know, Mary, you're very correct, because along the way, I'm sure you've seen many people who have information given to them or good ideas or whatever, and it stops right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And they don't go forward. Um, But I grew up in a family that went beyond the obstacles that they met. We all have obstacles, okay? But we have choices. We can either say, oh, won't work, or let's try it. Uh So that's really what motivated me to do it in in, um, school. And I um, did a lot of teaching in kindergarten. And there's Peter Rabbit. And (laughs) he went into Mr. McGregor's garden and got a tummy ache, but his mother gave him chamomile tea and he felt better. So that was was kind of a symbol. I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely. (laughs) Talking about obstacles, you were the only woman in your business at the time. And maybe now, I don't even know, but... And and then you grew this business. It must have been a huge challenge. Would you talk oh, a was. little bit? Talk a little bit about the obstacles and how you overcame them. Yes, when uh, Mrs. Gucci's opened, it was a natural. It was the largest natural food market of its kind in the world. Wow! Mm-hmm. And I was the only woman supermarket owner in our country. And so to get a loan from a bank, even though my own personal credit was very good, was impossible. First of all, I was a woman. But second of all, there was no model for the bank to look at the bank, many banks that I went to. There was no model for them to look at to say, oh, well, this could work or gee, it's successful over here in San Francisco or Oklahoma. So yeah, you (laughs) have a chance. It wasn't there. So I had to take a loan on my own house and teacher retirement money. I took on teacher retirement money. And by the way, I couldn't get a loan for store number two. That was limited partnership. Both stores now a success. 
couldn't get a loan for store number three. That was done on cash flow. Got a loan for store number four from one bank only, First Woman's Bank. Oh, love that. Are they still around? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. That's too bad. (laughs) Maybe they couldn't get a loan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a really good story. Any other obstacles besides the financial ones? Well, uh, yes, just being a woman in the industry, that was quite um, a challenge because, again, they were the the treatment, especially in that day. Um, we made improvements, but the treatment that I received from men in industries whether it would be production, manufacturing, all of that uh, was one of skepticism at the the least. Uh, So Mm -hmm. then other obstacles were, it was, it was a new field, just like AI is a new field now. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it was a new field. And so there were not that many, products or opportunities or awareness about where to go to get things. So you had to work extra hard to find what fit in to the standards that uh, we had developed. Mm. So it was a 24-7 job for me. But you spoke, Mary, about passion. And I had passion and dedication and belief that it would work. Mm. And we take for granted now because we can get organic vegetables and fruits mm-hmm. anywhere uh, now in all the chain supermarkets. But I do remember going to Mrs. Gooch's and it being the only place to get it. Yeah, that's correct. And some farmers would come to me in their truck or even car with their trunk filled with the produce, or I would go out to a farm that I would hear about, you know, tiny little family farm and talk to them. And uh, so started developing that. And you would hear about a farm in Seattle, Washington, for instance, and I would fly up there to meet with the farmer to make sure of what they were doing. And along the way, there were other people who started supermarkets of natural foods, what Boulder, um, Austin, Texas, uh, New Orleans, Hartford, Connecticut, mm. so on, whereby uh, we would communicate together. We would have, we would meet in one place and communicate about what's going on. Uh, where are these resources that we could go? And so collectively, we helped one another. Mm. Mm. Great. That's yeah, a great because, story. Yeah. Yeah. We take it all for granted now, but it we was, do. you were doing yeah. groundbreaking. Right, you can go into any. Well, now we have farmers markets on in multiple locations. Yeah. Yes. And you can go into many supermarkets and there's an organic section. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. What's that? Yeah. I know. And, it, and often sure. I think of you when I do that because I remember back to when I was buying food at Mrs. Gooch's and, and 
all the products were, you just knew they were so pure. And we had trust that we were putting healthy food into our bodies. And that's become such, uh, well, even healthy bodies is is an industry now. And it wasn't then. Mm -hmm. Well, you brought up, Mary, uh, uh, another word, and that's trust. Uh, And that is so uh, important, I think, with whatever endeavor you are participating in, is to have your word mean something, to have that handshake mean something, and to follow through. And so people over time knew we had a criteria of the food that we would carry and would not carry, no artificial flavor, artificial color, no um, additives and preservatives, refined white flour, refined white sugar. We had quite a list of things we would not carry. And there was trust because along the way, people saw that we meant business with our mm-hmm. statements and they mm-hmm. never found anything that was an anomaly to what our philosophy was. Mm. Well, how has climate change impacted the food and the products in health food stores as well as the philosophy of the business? Well, I think climate change has affected just about everything, but talking about health food or natural food stores specifically, um, I think most owners of natural food markets now are very dedicated to helping to foster uh, improvement with the climate, or at least not to have it deteriorate anything more. So they're concerned about recycling. and plastics and refilling with, with, with certain things and bring your own bag and all of these things, packaging, what kind of packaging are they uh, allowing? So climate change has affected that. So far as growers and farmers, some are out of business. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough water or maybe yeah. now flooding is occurring. So there's uh-huh. a little bit of change even there. So it's it, it's a wait and see mm-hmm. situation globally, not just here. Right, uh-huh. right. That's so true. Very Whew. serious. It's yeah. a lot to think about for the future and now. Um well, and everybody can play a part. You know, it's not just that you expect the the big businesses, oh, they'll do their work. If you add this individual and that one and so on and so forth, collectively, we all as individuals can make a difference. Mm-hmm. What, what are we buying? Uh, what is it packaged in? We can choose what to do. Mm-hmm. To make a positive difference. Oh, that's so You're true. You're so right. Yeah. You're so right. Well, talking about being an individuals can do something. People say you single-handedly establish what quality means in health retail and that you set really high standards and you never settle for less. 
Can you relay a story or two about that or and how that perhaps changed your business and even your life? Well, um, one interesting <laughs> story is because whenever a manufacturer uh, would, or farmer or supplier would come to Mrs. Gooch's office to present their product or products, and they already knew our standards, but they were handed um, a list. Um, after a while, our standards became known as Goochable. <laughs> oh. so, let's say that uh, Joe Smith's market in Pocatello, Idaho, and he got a small little market there, uh, rather than doing all the research that we had done, going into laboratories, sending food out, uh, going to the supplement manufacturers themselves, how is it done? How how clean is the plant, etc. We um, were our Gucciable items. All Joe had to ask in Pocatello was. Is the product that you're trying to sell me Gucciable? <laughs> and if they, if the supplier <coughs> or uh, the <laughs> broker said yes, that was all that was needed. <sighs> That's <Great>. incredible. Yeah, <coughs> to develop that relationship with the with with the, with the name was yeah. your name on it. Yeah, yeah. fabulous. Yeah. You know, how important was the look of your stores and your store windows? And what did you do to achieve that look? Tell us all about that. Um, my philosophy was that the artist translates the past, states the present, portends the future. Ooh. Excuse me, the artist is very important. And so up on the gondolas, the top of the shelving, I'd have scenes and themes mm -hmm. developed by artists in the community. One store in Beverly Hills had show windows, just like you'd find at Neiman Marcus or Saks Fifth Avenue. Mm -hmm. That big. And quarterly. We would change the windows and have scenes and themes where there would be of an old-fashioned kitchen or little mechanical rabbits that were coming down a ski slope and getting a carrot. Organic, of course. <laughs> uh, and people would walk by and be engaged. And in Beverly Hills, we won year after year awards for our store windows and we beat out gucci prada mm -hmm. Lima, all of those year after year that's so fantastic yeah. i didn't even know about the awards but mm -hmm. i i remember the windows i loved them thank that's, you that store was kind of magic it was well, that's the perfect word magic brings in engagement. So within the stores, with the scenes and themes up on the condolas, kids would be sitting in the shopping cart 
mom would be pushing the cart. And there were no tears. They were looking up and pointing at the rabbit and the little bear over here and so forth. And they were engaged. They Mm -hmm. were with So we didn't have the screaming and the yelling. Mm. That's good. That's a good side benefit to that. Did you go to any experienced people to do your windows? Did you find people in the country? Yes, I had um, friends who were artists. And um, they had a storage area in um, downtown L.A. in what is called now and then the arts district Mm -hmm. and um, they would work and plan what they were going to be doing for the next quarter. And uh, we would communicate with one another about what do you think about this and that idea and we'll, we'll need such and such. What's the budget? So yeah, there was a lot of planning, but we considered that, uh, situation or that work to be part of marketing and PR mm-hmm. yeah. so that budget for the artwork came under marketing. Mm-hmm. Of course. Such a good strategy. It is really, really. great strategy. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. also brought people into your stores to cook and give out food and product samples, which we now see all the time. That must have totally changed the industry at the yeah, time. Yeah, we see that in Costco now. But mm-hmm. uh, we were, to my knowledge, the first market in the country uh, to do that. Again, it's all about an engagement. That's number one. But number two, education and information. People didn't know how to cook brown rice or uh-huh. how to put these. You know, they were used to getting TV dinners and opening up a can of soup and putting it in a pot. Now, okay, I've I've got these foods, but what do I do with them? So we had every week different menus. I mean, we had the Thanksgiving menu, the Easter menu, uh, you name it. We had menus for a particular time. And uh, then we would teach people how to prepare and cook these uh, items, these recipes. Well, you brought in some very interesting characters, though, didn't you? To do that. Uh, so, so far as coming into the market, we, well, we had Danny Kay and uh, Michael Jackson and all kinds of uh, musicians. Mm-hmm. We had um, people, uh, flight attendants, who would be flying in from New York, land at the airport and have a night stay over and they wind up at our markets to shop and then take the products back to new york because there was nothing like it there or chicago or wherever and so uh that was wonderful but i think probably the most memorable time i had was when uh greta garbo Okay, to the market. Oh, oh gee. Oh, were you My there? My father when she loved came? her. <laughs> oh, she. Well, the night before, she had come to our house for dinner, and we had cooked dinner for her. And uh, you may not know this, but she was very shy when it came to 
being in public. And But she asked me at the end of the dinner, I, I want to come into your market and get a tour. Okay, Greta, that's fine. I want to do it tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> Greta. So I met her at uh, the Sherman Oaks market in the morning. And she was dressed, but she had a big scarf around her shoulders. I found out why. <laughs> and the interesting thing is, as I would be walking up and down the aisle, showing this woman, Greta Garbo, about the foods and what it all meant, people would come up to me and say, oh, Mrs. Gooch, I'm so happy to see you. How wonderful. I'm, I, I'm so fortunate. When this would happen, it happened again and again during the tour, Greta would pull the scarf over her head and turn her head until the person passed and then the scarf would go up. And I thought to myself, if these customers only knew who was next to me, they wouldn't be greeting me. They'd be looking at Greta, but they wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, she Great. was very private, I'm sure. <laughs> and but yeah. To switch topics a tiny bit, we know that you're a firm believer in mentoring and in public service. So please tell us about your own mentors and your public service work and how you continue to mentor others and pay it forward. I think that, again, this may have come from my parents who always helped others, but this has been part of my life. I mean, even as a master teacher, I was helping student teachers to learn. As a teacher, I was helping young students to understand and know. Mm -hmm. So when Mrs. Gooch's was acquired by Whole Foods, I didn't stop. It was the process of giving back. If you have uh, gifts, whatever it might be, a roof over your head, car, food on the table, my thought is we have a responsibility to give back. I'm not saying in what manner, whether it would be financially or with efforts, I think we have a responsibility. So I've continued to mentor a variety of people in the food industry, um, whether it would be beverage or in markets or stores or products. I've mentored people at UCLA, USC, and business classes about think about this, do that. And they would come over to the house or call. I have this problem. What do I do? And a while doing that, I learned a lot too. It wasn't just that I was giving of what I knew, but with their questions, sometimes I'd say, Whoa, now isn't that interesting? Or they'd say, I'm going to try that. And I'd think, Oh, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Very interesting. And so my, awareness and my knowledge just grew and grew. So that's one aspect, mentoring uh, people in uh, all kinds of business and helping them. The other 
is from a standpoint of helping women in general in um, uh, government mm. across the world. And as part of the Women's Leadership Board at the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, um, we have done a, a variety of things globally to mentor and help women in government to grow and expand their knowledge and awareness and to develop themselves so that they are respected. And that is now happening. Well, what about, um, I know microloans have been a, a big uh, thing in helping women create new businesses. Is that something you're involved in? Is that something that that is very important in the government? Yes, I, I have uh, along the way helped women uh, create new businesses. Doesn't happen to be or have to be in the natural products industry. Women in general. And um, they'll call. Uh, there's one person that I've been working with up in San Francisco. Um, and I consulted with her and helped her with some trials and tribulations that she was facing. And think about this. Think about that. Uh, so, yeah, I I do that. That's wonderful. Well, actually, I, I'd love to know how you advise people looking to get into the health food and health products industry today. And also, perhaps a few examples of how you are helping some of the women in government. To advise and help people in the natural food industry now would be to really do your research in regard to your product. What's your mark of difference? How, how is it manufactured? What is the story or the romance that you can provide to your potential customer. It's not just, oh, I'll just go do this. You have to have so much knowledge and awareness now. And to build that story and that mark of credibility in the natural products industry. And then to develop a team that may have knowledge and information that can present the product. You know, before you could just go walking into a store and say, here it is in the 1970s and please take it. And maybe they would. Now there is a whole system for the most part that new products need to go through in order to be brought on and put onto a shelf. So it's much more costly and time consuming, uh, to to do that right now yeah well what are you what are you working on now per se what and uh right now I'm i know you're doing all this consulting right um i continue to give advice to uh a, a nonprofit called growing great 
and Growing Great's goals are to teach students, parents, and the community how to plant, grow, harvest, prepare, cook, and eat healthy foods. So I'm still doing that. I'm also still part of uh, Harvard and the Kennedy School of Government and working with women. Uh, I mean, I've had wonderful opportunities. The ex-prime minister of New Zealand, Jenny Shipley, I've worked with her. Mary Robinson from Ireland, I've worked with her. Um, Kim Campbell from Canada, the prime minister. I've worked with her. And so it's working from a collab from a collaborative effort to it's not about me, me, me. It's about the collectively the people and particularly, though not limited to, but particularly with women to give them a platform of knowledge and information and support so that they can do, be, have what they truly deserve. Oh, and on that note, incredible. Maybe, maybe you can tell our listeners what you'd like them to have today as a takeaway from your chat with us. We have choices. We can either walk around in life or with an endeavor saying, hunched over, nothing ever comes my way. Um, I just, uh, I'm stuck. And sure enough, nothing ever comes their way. Or we can walk around, in theory, with our arms wide open, ready to see what will come your way that you can utilize to enhance your life so that you can do, be, have what you deserve. And then the last takeaway is ignore your health and it will surely go away. (laughs) Whoa, so true. Thank you, Sandy. That was enlightening. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Sandy Gooch, founder of Mrs. Gooch's Health Food Stores and the woman who single-handedly changed the natural foods industry and the way we shop at grocery stores today. Thank you. And we want to ask, thanks. We want to ask our listeners to check out our YouTube Late Boomers podcast channel and please subscribe. Also, can you please give us a five-star review on your favorite uh, podcast platform and you can dm us on our instagram or drop us a line at lateboomers.biz b-i-z we are on instagram at i am kathy worthington at i am mary elkins and at late boomers we always strive to inspire entertain and motivate you thanks so much again sandy for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. 
please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.